Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hi there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast. Today, we're on the other side of the world of Colorado, and we're speaking to a guest called Shailene Rains. Shailene, how are you doing today, miss? I'm doing great. I mean, it is the end of the quarter, so feeling a little flustered, but I'm excited. (laughs) Perfect. And we're so happy and grateful to have you on the show, especially at the end of Q4. I know it's super busy. So we're currently in Jan 2020. We're coming to the end of that. Sorry, Jan 2021. Neil's mode (laughs) way back last year. Uh, But Shailene, could you introduce yourself? Like, who are you? Where are you in the world? And currently, what do you do? Yeah, of course. And again, thank you for bringing me on. This is, of course, my first podcast. I feel like that might be everyone's, but um, my name is Shalene. I currently live in Denver, Colorado. I'm an SDR at Speckit. Uh, Speckit is like a digital companion that enables teams to quickly access their resources or the help they need when and where they need it most. So it's embedded within Salesforce, Outreach, and the applications that you, they use during their day-to-day activities. Thank you very much, Shailene. Um, so we connected last year uh, in the midst of, I don't know, either lockdown 1.0 or lockdown 2.0. Um, and I think it was off the back of a, a post that you'd like from Aaron Baker, who's a great ADR uh, in the UK. And I came across your profile and the thing that stood out to me the most was, and I've got it on my notes here, it's got into sales to stop talking to random people at a grocery store. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So uh, <clears throat> we connected. I heard, uh, learned a bit about your journey, currently what you're doing at Speckit. Um, but I think what I saw uh, in terms of your background, looking at your LinkedIn profile, you had been a teacher, you'd been a mentor at Denver Kids, um, you was a client onboarding specialist at Fair Harbor. Uh, you was a BDR at Cloud Elements, where we found out that we have a common friend who's Will Coning. Uh, people are going to hear about his show soon. Uh, but how did you, Shailene, how did you fall into sales and kind of what was that journey like for you? Yeah, so my path was definitely nonlinear. I actually started out, as you said, at a nonprofit where I taught at a Title I school. So it's a low-income school. And I absolutely loved it, but it's extremely hard. So whoever's a teacher out there, I give you mad props. It is so difficult. You need a raise, everything like that. Um, But um, I always wanted to be in tech and because I get bored easily and I feel like things are always constantly changing and exciting. So um, I decided that was kind of the path I wanted to take after teaching. And going from teaching to tech was a little bit more difficult Uh, just since I didn't really have that experience. Um, I think now, that was three and a half years ago, I think now 
companies are a little bit more understanding. They're fine with taking people kind of fresh off the boat with limited experience. So for me, it actually took about four months to find a job in tech. Mm-hmm. And it got kind of discouraging, and I, I did get a little desperate. I was walking dogs. I was cleaning people's apartments. I was doing kind of like everything. Um, but then finally, I did land a job at Fair Harbor where I was in client onboarding, so still not even in sales yet. But that's where I worked really close with the sales team, and it kind of the love affair for getting into sales and seeing that as my path uh, really began. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, I definitely want to dive on to like the different elements of leading up to to kind of getting into tech and into sales in those four months of desperation, uh, <laughs> doing admirable things as well, might I add. Um, but like when most people jump into sales, they have like a connotation as to what it's all about, what it's like. Before you actually went into your tech career, what was, what did sales mean to you, Shailene? And what did you envision in your head when somebody says, hey, do you want to work in sales? It's kind of funny. It's like that meme that you see where it says what my mom thinks sales is, what my friends think sales is. Uh, it, it kind of felt like that when I first you know, thought of actually getting into sales. Of course, you think that you're kind of you know, this big guy that's going out there and making a lot of money. But you start to realize that is definitely not, if you want to actually get that, you have to work really hard and you have to start at the bottom. So sales for me, I was always initially excited for the networking piece. I think you brought it up. My line in my LinkedIn profile is I got into sales so I would stop talking to people at the grocery store. <laughs> um, and and it's true. I love to talk to people wherever I'm at. I'm probably that annoying person that will talk to you at a checkout line. Um, and I think it's just because I, I enjoy getting to know people and um, networking. And so I think that's what kind of interested me is that I'd be able to meet so many people from different industries. And so that's what really appealed to me. And so that's kind of what got me started. That's, that's super cool. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being that guy or gal that <laughs> talks to random people at the supermarket. If anything, it's actually something I try to do. I've always tried to do it. Like when I first started getting into sales, um, I'd always be a shy person. I'd never make the first move or say the first thing in a conversation. I'd wait for other people and then I'd kind of try to chime in. But I can always remember at a checkout if I see an old lady or if I see somebody who's looking at something in the grocery store and they're like, uh, and I say, do you know what, that might be a good buy. I try to be that person and get out of my comfort zone. So yeah, if we ever do bump into each other in a grocery store, I hope to have a conversation with you face to face in the near future. Um, but as you said, it's that networking element. It's meeting different people from different industries. And that's really exciting. And obviously the world's well, kind of changed a little bit, Shailene. Like how is, how is it kind of like living up to expectations or how has it changed things for you right now? I think it's obviously with, unfortunately, the pandemic is you have that lack of face-to-face communication. And that's what I really enjoy and love being with people and being able to be right there in front of them. So I think that has thrown me through a loop. Um, Obviously, Zoom does help a little bit, but actually being able to be, you know, in the office, seeing, you know, your coworkers or seeing a a prospective prospect going and flying and seeing them, I think it does take away a certain kind of trust element. Mm. Um, And I think that's it, you do have to work around that a lot and make sure that you say, hey, I'm a human here, even though you can't 
really physically see me or touch me or not touch me, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you get the gist. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. If anything, I was actually having a, a meeting this morning where um, I'm taking some SDRs through like some virtual training. And at the beginning of this engagement, the sales leader was saying like, Neil, in your honest opinion, what's better like face-to-face training or does this remote onboarding thing really even work? And I said to them, I would prefer if we could do it face-to-face because I could then meet the other SDRs. We can talk, they can see me in front of a whiteboard jumping around and, you know, being a funny guy versus doing it over Zoom. And the other thing was we don't actually know how each, how tall everybody actually is because we haven't met them in real life. Uh, and is that trust element, I said, because when I was doing like an online training session, uh, I could see by reading the room if people had bought into me and it is really hard to do that on a Zoom. And I was just wondering, like you said, it's that trust bit in virtual remote land. How, what kind of, do you have any ideas of what's the best way to kind of build trust if you're doing it remotely or via Zoom? What, what would your advice be? So I think the biggest advice is to just be human. I know that sounds so cliche, but I realized that from you know the start of the pandemic to now, I've really changed how I'm messaging people. It's a lot more, you know, a lot more casual, uh, a little bit jokey, just because I know people are going through a hard time right now and they don't mm-hmm. want the typical, let me pitch you my product. So actually really getting to know and understand people, commenting on their LinkedIn, showing that you're a regular person that wants to get to know them. Um, and then of course, the video aspect. I love doing videos. I think that's the best way to kind of connect a remote world. So constantly having those social touches where you can say, again, like, hey, I'm a human. We're both going through this together. So yeah. 100%. Be human and put that human approach in your outreach that people can see a genuine person on the other side. I think that's some great advice. Um, And kind of coming back to like this career, uh, like before we got into tech sales. So like you said, you as uh, a teacher, um, and you, this is something you found very rewarding. What was kind of like the ethos of getting into teaching? What was it about teaching that drew you to teaching before tech? Yeah. But, um, so I think what originally got me into teaching was I always really loved to work with children. And even though they can be the most honest and <laughs> they can really just throw you through a loop all the time, just testing your boundaries. Um, but I, I was just really excited to get into teaching because I think it would challenge me. And it for sure did. It was the most challenging but most rewarding experience, like I said before. Um, and I think, to be honest, like everyone should teach once in their life or mm-hmm. even, you know, do something in customer service because it really, it, it makes you realize how hard their job is and it gives you a lot more respect for what they do every single day because sometimes teachers don't get that respect, unfortunately. And so um, I was really excited to start my kind of path there, even though it's, you know, I'm not doing that right now. It's good Mm -hmm. to always have kind of like a different background so you can bring that to the table, Um, especially when it came to like onboarding because I knew everyone had different learning styles. So when I was in client onboarding, I was like, okay, not everyone's going to learn the same as, you know, him or her. her. Um, Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And you're very right, because uh, I I agree, Um, teaching is something which can really, you know, put yourself in the position of how is somebody else going to best learn. 
And to your point, everybody learns in different ways. So somebody could be a visual learner, somebody could like to read the theory behind it, some people like practical learning. There's always different ways. Um, and, <laughs> and excuse any prospects that are listening to this uh, podcast show. But uh, sometimes when you're uh, onboarding new clients, they are like kids, like with a new toy and a new solution. So you have to kind of, I wouldn't say dumb it down, but put it in such a layman way that anybody can understand it. Uh, and equally for somebody that's onboarding, like an, as an SDR or a BDR coming to a company, this tech and this jargon and these acronyms completely may throw you off and it might be overwhelming. So I think, yeah, everybody should at least try teaching in some form or shape or another. And that's kind of why I love doing what I do at Happy Selling. Um, but like uh, the, the bit that I wanted to kind of uh, pick upon as well is like this hard slog that you went through like with the dog walking and trying different career options like what was going on there that kind of led you to that so like I said there was that four months kind of hiatus between teaching and actually getting into the tech like SaaS industry and uh it does get really discouraging when you are applying for 10 to 15 jobs a day and you're getting no after no and and again came back to all of them being like, you do not have experience. You don't have X, Y, Z. And I was like, of course I don't have experience. I'm a teacher. <laughs> so so it, it did get kind of like in a panic mode, but it was something that I was willing to work towards. And I was like, if I have to, you know, scoop up dog poop for, <laughs> for this, I will. And, and I think that's what was, it kind of just showed that that was the right path for me because I was willing to go those extra lengths to actually get there. Wow. And um, like what so you picked upon it, it's something that a lot of us are going to go through in terms of applying for jobs. And there could be some SDLs or BDLs or salespeople that are applying for jobs listening to the show. And as you said, it can get very discouraging when you get those multiple no's. And no's are something we have to kind of get used to as being an SDR or BDR. What was going through your mind and how was you like handling those objections? Yeah, I think... When you first start to get, you know, a bunch of them all together, just consecutive no's, 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 it it does start to kind of like dawn on you, is this the right career path? Or you start to kind of put some self-doubt. And Mm. I think that's when you need to really just be like, you know what, I'm going to get no's because, of course, I unfortunately don't have their experience that they're looking for, but there is going to be a company that I'm going to fit that niche or I'm going to fit that mold for them. And I think every single no I got, I realized what I could have done just like a little bit better. And I started to reformat my resume. So it wasn't just like I was teaching, you know, children. I was explaining it in kind of more tech terms of how that could relate to what I would be doing there. And so I think that's what ultimately landed me the job at Fair Harbor is I was able to explain it more eloquently or better for them to understand of how teaching relates to client onboarding. I love that. So taking what you were doing, but making it transferable into the future jobs that you were applying for. Uh, and I like you, like I love how you said is like, there will be that role that will suit you. It's just sometimes it's a case of timing. And yeah. maybe we have to go through those no's in order to learn what to change and iterate to then better ourselves. Uh, which you did and kind of that's what it, where it led you to where it is. I remember like <laughs> when I first wanted to get into sales, uh, I wanted to get into real estate. So for our UK audience, like lettings and negotiations for like rental property. And I remember 
suiting and booting in central London, working in Holborn. And I was going to all these interviews for these letting agents or real estate agents and going for interview after interview. And the feedback was just like, you don't have experience. Like the pay is really bad. And um, come on, we need somebody with a bit more tenacity, at least a couple of months under the belt. And I was just getting so disheartened. But what I kind of did at the end of every interview, I was like, what is it specifically, Mr. or Mrs. Hiring Manager, that I don't fit the bill? Where is it? What is it? And I'd tweak those things, update my resume, my CV, and I kept going through it. But then as I went through this all, it then took me onto that, actually, maybe I don't want to do real estate sales. I want to do something else sales. I don't know what type of sales, but something which is in a more B2B corporate environment, um, which again, long another story for another day, but that's kind of where it got me through. So yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, and then you were saying like, so you, you were looking to kind of get into the tech space and like Fair Harbor, like what's the story there? How did you get involved with those guys? Yeah, so they are actually like a travel booking software and I'm super keen on traveling. So uh, it, it kind of just stood out of the blue that I really wanted to work there. And I'm so glad I did because that was my first launch into the quote unquote tech world. And, um, and when I was there, that is when I worked very closely with the sales team and I saw what their day-to-day day looked like. And I was like, wait, I want to do that. Mm. So I think that's kind of what triggered in me that, you know, I loved client onboarding because every single client was different, to be honest. Like you would sometimes be working with a huge, massive company and sometimes these mom and pop shops. Um, and so you'd had to always just tailor yourself specific to that person. Um, but I was like, okay, I think I want to get in sales. I want to be more hands-on and take control of the situations. And mm. so uh, I realized that opportunity wasn't possible at that time at Fair Harbor. And so that's when I started looking and uh, found Cloud Elements. Okay. So if I get it right with Fair Harbor, like a travel agency booking system, uh, where obviously you could be working with a big enterprise company, you could be working with a small uh, company to help tailor like their travel like is that for their employees or is it for like for you know b2c what what kind of space was that yeah so it was uh basically it was like a booking software if i wanted to go book a kayak like rental so mm. i would go to you know joe's kayaks and go book uh you know a two-hour kayak ride and then they would have you know those little mom and pop shops like the kayak rentals to mm. huge ones that were like in Napa Valley that were all, oh, do you want to take a hot air balloon ride? Do you want to book this, you know, one hour hot air balloon ride? So um, it was just kind of booking those excursions and adventures. It was a software that enables people to do that online since everything's going online these days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. So kind of like a, a little bit like a concierge, uh, like helping out fit tailor like the right solutions through the platform for yeah. their vacations or where they're going. That's super cool. And like you said, it was there where you saw teams work together, onboarding clients, like filling out what they needed based on the requirements because everybody is different. And by the sounds of it, there's like a, an element of customer service there as well, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you kind of went on to cloud elements. There was a corp element, like a corporate element to like the career. Was that before cloud elements or where, where did that slot in? That was actually after. Um, so I was at cloud elements for about nine or 10 months and uh, then COVID hit. And um, unfortunately that kind of made uncertainty into that specific, just cloud elements in general, job security was really important for me and it didn't feel that secure right when COVID hit. So I decided to 
actually take kind of a dip into the corporate world and and that's where things definitely changed. (laughs) Uh, So cloud elements for a couple of nine months, the world has changed because of that naughty C word, which is COVID, Mm. kind of screws the world up a little bit. Uh, You're looking around what else is available and that took you on to kind of looking into the corporate world, like so corporate business. Mm -hmm. Um, So for anybody that's listening in, if you're completely new, what we mean by corporate is an established company that's been around for like 20 years or so, like uh, a Barclays Bank or, you know, like a Wells Fargo, like these are corporate companies and they're well established. So what happened, Shailene? You you joined the corporate world. What, what was going on? It was it was definitely a change. I had only worked at startups since then, and I kind of loved the rugged wild westness of startups <laughs> and all the past companies. I had one product to learn, and you know, only a few personas to go after. So it was very simple, even with that wild west mentality, to be able to just ramp up and start selling right away and. The corporate, where at least I specifically was, it was selling 200 plus products, different services, and I had pretty much no onboarding whatsoever. It was nothing. And so I think that started to freak me out because I was thinking like, I don't even know what data management is. And so all of a sudden I started freaking out. And I think I always like to say that onboarding is kind of like a hostess at a restaurant. It sets the tone for how the rest of your experience is going to be. So we we need to quote that. Onboarding (laughs) is like a hostess, like setting the scene of how this journey is going to be. Right. I I love that. Sorry. Go on. No, no worries. Uh, And when I saw how their onboarding experience was going to be, it of course got me nervous, but I was like, Hey, I'm going to wait out a few months and I think I should have ticked my first, you know, gut reaction. And I realized that it wasn't going to change. And so mm-hmm. that's um, actually when I started thinking, you know what, I should, I should make that move. But the problem was I was only at this job for four months. And putting something that's only been four months on your resume, every single recruiter out there was like, you're crazy. You need <laughs> to either take it off your resume or stick it out to at least six months. Mm-hmm. And... It was kind of discouraging to hear because I was just like, well, I don't want to take it off because I want people to know why I'm leaving and make sure that the next place is right for me so this doesn't happen again. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a valid point. Um, but like to kind of go into it, like you've you've joined this corporate world. Um, there's like over 200 products versus like the wild west of startups <laughs> when it's just one core product. It's easy to talk about and potentially sell to people. Um, it's a different onboarding experience, but you kind of gave yourself the benefit of the doubt to say, okay, let's see how this runs, check it out. But then you came to that realization, it's not a fit for you, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole uh, like omitting stuff from your LinkedIn, I've always wondered that myself because I've sometimes only worked in some positions for six, seven months, 10 months. Like if anybody's listening, by all means, go check out my LinkedIn profile. Like way back when you'll see I've had some short stints. These are either temp contracts or because stuff didn't work out. Uh, But I think to a recruiter, I think it's always good to have that story as to why didn't it work out. So I think if I was a hiring manager or a recruiter and I was talking to you, Shailene, and you said to me, well, look, uh, COVID impacted change market, change industry, change size of company. 
I went through the onboarding. I tried it out, but it, you know, it just didn't work for me. I think there's more value in that honesty than trying to like hide stuff because I have been a manager where I've hired people and there are these gaps in the CV or the LinkedIn. And I'm just like, so like, what did you do between these two times? Because I see like a hard stop here or, you know, it can sometimes come back when we're checking for references and candidate A says this ended in 2016, but companies say it ended in 2015. You're like, wait a minute, uh, you know? So, um, but I think, uh, yeah, being honest as much as you can and having a story and if it's credible, then cool. But I can also understand if things haven't gone to plan for some people, they may want to admit it. So it's certainly down to the individual. I'm just giving my two cents here. Yeah. Um, but the other piece was, <laughs> I loved how you said, like the startup Wild West, um, because there are going to be a lot of people that are SDRs or looking to apply. And I've always tried to pitch to my friends of like, I'm not a fan of corporate. I've been there and it wasn't for me. And as you've said, it wasn't for you. And there isn't nothing wrong with working with a corporate organization. Some people come into startups because they want to get ready for that corporate life. Uh, but how would you explain to a brand new person who's about to embark on their journey as to what are the main differences between a startup and a corporate environment? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'll try my best. <laughs> um, for startups, I always think of it as you know a smaller base company, usually under, I think they clarify it now as 500, but there's people out there who are... 2,000 employees and still call themselves a startup. So I guess the employee count doesn't matter, but um, they're fairly new to the scene. They're still, you know, figuring out processes. Like I like to say is that, you know, every week could technically be different. We might be doing a different sales process, doing a different template or cadence that we're going to be sending out. So things are just rapidly changing. And for me, I really like that because I like to think on my toes and be creative. Um, corporate is more set in their, I wouldn't say set in their ways. It's kind of, well, you can say are. set in their ways if you want to, don't worry. Like, I, I know what you mean, but go on. But I mean, they've usually been in business for like Neil said, 20 plus years. And so they are, I feel like whenever, when I was at my, the corporate company I was working at, they were just, they were resistant to change. They were doing things that, you know, were done 10 years ago and they were sticking to that. They were, if I even talked about personalizing, they were like, what? Whoa. Personalizing? <laughs> no, we have templates for a reason and you follow them. <laughs> so yeah. I think it, it kind of lacked that authenticity for me because I am kind of funny and I like to be witty in my outreach. And for them, that was like, no, you do not do that. <laughs> so, so startups, you can kind of, what I love so much about them is you can see your impact and you can see your mark and you really can, in most places, kind of tailor that role to something and make it your own. I like your analogy and I 100% agree. Like corporates, uh, to your point, can be quite rigid because they've got a well-defined process that, you know, don't try and reinvent the wheel. This stuff works. And that's why a lot of people have trusted our business for X amount of years, whereas in uh, the Wild West or the <laughs> startups, um, you're kind of like a, a mini CEO for your regional brand and like you're testing stuff out and your founders and leaders will allow you to test stuff out because they're still learning as they go along. And it's that element of being able to be creative, you know, uh, and try out stuff that um, I think a lot of SDRs fall in love with and that's why they want to join startups. Uh, and also sometimes in terms of pay, it can be much higher than a corporate company, just FYI. Um, but uh, obviously, um, 
you were you working at Cloud Elements. Uh, you tried the corporate world, and then uh, you did something in terms of prospecting, and you were a bit creative. Talk us through how did you move from corporate? Sorry, corporate. It didn't work for me to where it's working for you now. So, so funny enough, I knew that if I was moving from corporate to my next job, I wanted to find the job that I would be there for a good amount of time. I didn't want to have, you know, this four month hiatus of just pulling my hair out. So I was like, I'm going to need to find the company that just really speaks to me. And that's when I found Speckit and Speckit basically they're at their core. They're for making sure that your reps are don't feel disgruntled in their average work day. So I was like, okay, I could work here. I'd know that pain. Mm. So uh, so right when I saw it, I was like, I need to work here. And Christian, my current manager, he reached out to me on LinkedIn and he um, we were we got to talking and then I was like, I need to just be bold. I need to go send a video. I, I need to get this job. And so, and, and that's what I did. I just, I knew I had to, and quote unquote, be different. I'm sure everyone's sending videos for their applications these days. Uh, but it was definitely something new for me. I've, I've always done it with prospecting. I never thought about it, doing it with actually interviewing. And so uh, I think that definitely helped open the door. And then uh, when I was there, he actually just told me this a few weeks ago. The one reason I got the job in place of the other people was because I knew the pain and I explained that thoroughly of like my past experience. So I think that transparency when I'm coming full circle was so pivotal for them because they were like, oh, this girl's been there. She wants to get out of it. She's going to be great at selling this. <laughs> Boom. What a, what a journey. So if I get it right, um, you're, you're looking for your new role and you're thinking, right, I need to go somewhere where I believe in the product. I can relate to the business that they're in. And I can see myself working there, right? And then you take what you'd love to do in your kind of like SDR world of like video prospecting, but you use it to try and get your role and your job. Is that right so far? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, do you know what? Like it, it has come up in uh, a few guests where I've heard people send like emails or prospecting for their job. And this video thing is not new, but some people are becoming more wiser to it. So they're sending it to the recruiters or sending it straight to the C-level people that don't even know that their job's been advertised yet because like the heads of sales are like building this out and it's becoming more a prominent thing and it's a great way to add that personalized or I, I, I try not to use the word personalized as much anymore but customized it's a customized approach yeah you know and to get feedback from Christian to say hey Shailene the reason you stood out is because the way that you came in at uh, kind of like pitching back as to why these things are challenges and pains from your own personal experience. And I think that's the one great trait a lot of good SDRs have is when you're on the phone uh, and you, you, you fall in love with your solution because you can see it working for you personally if you was a customer or if you were just living your life, you know. Mm -hmm. And if you can give that same story on a phone, on a video, on an email, that's what people buy into. They won't buy into so much the solution. The solution is a byproduct of those challenges, trying to fix them, and that's the solution at the end of it. And I think, uh, like uh, you said, you listened to one of our guest shows, Jordan Cornish at Showpad. Um, the reason why I was good at doing a Showpad like as an AE or an SDR, I said I could speak to VPs of marketing or sales and say, you know, like when you send over that proposal, 
and you don't know which page they're reading and it, you're trying to pull your hair around, trying to close a deal, but they've gone completely dark. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, well, here's a solution that fixes it. <laughs> and that's what people wanted to buy into. So um, like, when you're on the phone as an SDR, like, how do you talk to your clients about your personal experiences and kind of what you're going through to help them see that this might be a good thing for them? How do you do it? Yeah, so typically it's actually not really brought up on a cold call because I know like for us, cold call is all about trying to, you know, schedule that meeting, um, you know, just making sure that they understand the basis of the product. Uh, my story usually actually comes up when we have that, you know, initial meeting. And mm. I obviously I'm not the one who's doing the initial meeting that my account executive is, but they love to put me on the spot. They're like, oh, well, Shelly has some great, you know, experience here. And so it's really funny because I love to, you know, coming from a rep, you know, do they really know if their reps are working as efficiently as they are? Or are they spending, you know, like X amount of time trying to find these answers, trying to figure out this product knowledge, all this. So I think coming from me, it's, they get that trust again, because Mm. I am a rep myself, I use the product myself. I'm not just, you know, saying it just because you say it, right? Exactly. And I think that's the problem before is, I was never using the product myself. I was working with like manufacturers and people and machinery and all this stuff. And I was just like, I can't relate because I'm not using this product. I don't know if it actually works that great. <laughs> but when you actually use, uh, when I use Specket every single day, I can see like how great it makes me as a seller. So I'm just like, okay, this is a no brainer. <laughs> 100%. And I think you said a very key piece there is actually using your own solution or pardon the fun, but eating your own dog food. <laughs> I've, I've, I've kind of gone into a lot of companies where people are saying, we've got this great solution, Neil, we need to get these SDRs to book more meetings and convey the the message that like what how we're trying to change the world. And one of my first questions is, do you use this tool internally? And they're like, mm, well, no, <laughs> like we sell it to like these companies and their departments. And I'm like, okay, if you're not using your own dog food internally and you're saying it's so great, then your SDRs may not believe in that, you know? <laughs> so you have to, you know, believe in your own tool. And this actually happened with one of my clients, uh, Intuo. So it was like a performance people management solution where uh, people would use it with their managers to have better conversations online and came on board with training the SDRs. And then I was asking the SDRs, so like, what? I'm the idiot in the room. Tell me, how does this platform work? How is it going to make me a better manager for you guys? And they're like, well we have these reports, we have these analytics and it kind of does this thing. And I'm like, do you have any of you guys actually ever used the platform internally? They're like, no. And I go straight to the VP of sales and I say to him, I was like, dude, like this is a manager tool. I'm a manager. Like you're a manager. Do you use it? And they're like, no. I said, ah, okay. Right. So we actually started using it. So I was kind of the first guinea pig using their own tool to help with their reps and their reps got it so that when they're on the phone, they can say, Hey, when I use it with my manager, Neil, this is how we do blah, blah, blah. You know, and that story is more believable than a product pitch or an elevator pitch. It will help people convince to come have that meeting to see, Hey, there's a new way of doing something. Try it out. So I think uh, the fact that you're a user of your own platform, you can see the value in it as a rep. I think more people should do that. And, but the caveat to that is maybe it is a solution that you can't use internally with your own SDR team. I totally understand that. But if you can, 100% do that. Um, but like uh, with, that, with, that, with Specit, like if you were to kind of compare like, hey, the teacher a few years ago that was thinking about getting into tech sales 
Um, if you were to kind of give your, yourself three bits of advice about, about to embark on that journey, what advice would you give to them? Ooh. I think I, if I was, you know, blast the past three and a half years ago, I would say be patient. Um, don't, I know at that time I had been four months without a job and I was doing those random activities I call jobs. <laughs> but you don't want to grasp at straws and just go for the first one that offers you, um, you know, that gives you a job because you do really want to make sure that you're starting, you know, this big jump. You want to start off on the right foot. And mm-hmm. so, yes, I did get some offers before Fair Harbor, but I felt like that was more a place where I would actually enjoy working. And I'm so glad I did wait, even though I was like, if I don't accept this job, what if something doesn't come, you know? So just being patient and knowing that, you know, it will all work out. Um, for the younger version of an SDR of me, I would definitely make sure to not, not make sure that you're always being creative and being yourself. I think there's so many times when you'll be at, you might be at a company or maybe you're just starting out and you're kind of afraid mm-hmm. to be authentic. And I think that's what's helped and worked so well for me is I'm not afraid to send memes. I'm not afraid to like send gifts whenever they're appropriate, of course. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that's what it, it's my sense of humor. It's my personality. And again, it goes with like that human approach that it is authentic to me and it works for me. So I, I think, you know, being creative and being yourself. And then I think the last one is if one week you're down, that doesn't mean that you have to rip everything apart and start over. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing in sales is you, you do have to kind of ride those waves. Like there's going to be a few weeks where you're just killing it, get in six, seven meetings, you know, in a week. And then the next week it's like, tumbleweeds just (laughs) (laughs) in the wild west of startups they can be tumbleweeds as well right yes and there's just nothing and it doesn't mean that you have to you know set like press that button and just like be like oh i have to change everything um you know there's are times that you can see where things need to be tweaked or can be refined but just throwing everything that's worked you know thus far out the window i think is ridiculous so just riding those waves, knowing that you're going to have those moments and just seeing where you can improve on. I love it. So again, like being patient, be 100% you, bring out that creativity, don't be scared. Um, and obviously like uh, test things out, change things up. And again, you may have a tumbleweed moment where nothing's going down, but it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Like, you know, things will come in time. And a question I asked a lot of uh, new reps that are coming on board. We always give tips for, like, for onboarding, right? Uh, and being an onboarding specialist that you are, I think we've had a lot of information of how, what you should be doing during your onboarding, what things should you be learning. What recommendations would you give to somebody post-onboarding? Are there any tips like to, to help you keep going that you could recommend as well, Shailene? Yeah, so obviously, like, I'm such a big fan of onboarding like I said, it sets the tone. Um, I think making sure that you're reinforcing that learning is super key. If you're not, just think about those two weeks or however long. Sometimes people have like eight, 10 week onboarding programs. And I'm like, whoa, that's whoa. crazy, but good for you guys. Uh, um, but just making sure that you're reinforcing it after the fact, because 
in those moments, it is going to be feel like drinking from a fire hose. And so making sure that, you know, something that you learned week one, you can reiterate and work upon, you know, week 42. So um, I definitely think reinforcement is super key. And I think that's a lot what people struggle with, but, you know, role playing, making sure that you have the tools and the resources that your team needs to succeed in there every single day is just really key. I think that's 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 some really good advice as well because, again, whatever you learn within the, the like within a two week program, generally, most people after thirty days will only retain ten percent of that, and they tend to go back to ninety percent of bad habits or what they knew before. So the constant reinforcement of what did I learn? Because again, like that fire hose is going to be so much information coming in. You're like, I don't know what the hell this stuff means. And then you can put it into context later down the line. So like kind of reiterating, reinforcing, learning, checking it out, role-playing it, questioning yourself, like, what the hell did I mean by writing that note on <laughs> API? What does that mean? Um, so yeah, 100% agree with you. And um, no, that, that's some solid advice. So thank you for filling that in. Are there any shout-outs that you would like to, to give on the show? Oh, I, I think foremost, a shout-out to my manager, Christian. You are honestly the best thing ever. I think like when I first met him, the thing that he said to me and stuck with me the most is that I have two jobs, one to get you paid and one to get you promoted. And that just really stuck with me because at the end of the day, he's working for you. And Mm. so appreciative of him. Of course, I want to shout out my team. They're always there for me for all my kookiness. And uh, (laughs) they're they're such great rock stars. And of course, just my family and friends who have been supportive through this crazy non-linear journey that has had a lot of ups and downs. But I'm excited that I had their support as well. (laughs) Hell yeah. From days of potentially picking up dog poop to <laughs> scooping up some hot leads at Speckett, I absolutely love your story mm-hmm. and inspired by it as well. So, Shannon, thank you so much for, for sharing. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on a guest. I'd love to have you on as a future guest in the coming months to see how things are going along. Maybe you and Christian, we could do like a, a tag team dynamic duo on the show. You never know. Uh, it's an idea that I'm, I'm planting seeds into a lot of my guests. Uh, but Shailene, thank you for being a guest on the SDR Disco Call podcast. Of course. Thank you so much. This is really fun. (laughs) Love to hear it. Shailene, take care and happy selling. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to sdrdiscocall, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.